Well, before you open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, I'd like to do something just a little different. I'd like a group of people to gather around Miss Margaret. Be right there. I'd like a group of people to gather around Miss Misty. And I'd like a group of people to gather around Miss Joy. And that's just the ones that come to my heart and mind. And if you're going through something, and you say, why are you doing this? It's Misty's mother that stands in the need of prayer and a touch on her body. It's Miss Margaret's husband, old Zeke, that's not sitting there. And Miss Trudy, it's just been in and out of the hospital for the past several years. And so, a lot of times we do this at the end of service. But because that's on my heart, I've learned something about prayer requests. When they come across your phone, the best thing you can do is pray right then. And so, when the folks that's going through tough stuff with their family members come across my heart tonight, lest I get carried away in preaching the Word of God and forget, Let's just take this moment, gather around them and lift them and their families up to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you tonight, and there's a group of brothers and sisters gathered to my left around Miss Margaret. And Bob and Brenda, as caregivers, bringing her and driving her to church. But we come on behalf of the Ratliff family and we lift Zeke up to you. A man that loves to come to church. Loves to be exhorted, encouraged, and challenged by your word. Because of a stroke and because of rehab, that's not possible right now. We just want to pause in the midst of this service and lift Zeke and his family up to you. And then as there's a group of people around Miss Joy, we're simply praying for Miss Trudy. Her words is, I don't know why the Lord leaves me around this place. And my answer to that is simply, I guess He's not done with you yet. Father, we do have a hard time understanding when there's some physical ailments. And we believe with all of our hearts that heaven's so good. Why you leave us here. But we trust you. And when we can't trace your hand, we'll just follow your heart. And we lift Trudy up to you. And behind that, they're gathered around Miss Misty. And she's been that caregiver for her mom. She's been that arm to lean on for her mom. And sometimes that gets heavy. And we just simply lift her up to you, her mother up to you, and pray a special touch on her body. Father, that you would touch her and heal her if that be your will, and there will be a testimony to your power and your grace and your mercy. But also know her. She'll be a testimony. If you don't deliver her from it, she'll be a testimony of how she goes through it. 
And so, Father, we just pause to lift these families up to you. And I'm not an all-knowing pastor, but you're an all-knowing master. And so some of the people that are around these people, I don't know what their issues are, but you do. I don't know what their complications are, but you do. And sometimes when we're gathered around someone else, we're heavy-hearted and broken-hearted and battling also. So since you know the number of everyone's hair on their head right here tonight, you know all they're going through. And as David mentioned in that last verse, you know every burden. And you can help us carry them when others can't. We just take this time to lift one another up to you in the sweet and precious and powerful, powerful name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people, as they headed back to their seats, said, Amen and Amen. So as you head back to your seats, you know which book to turn to. And that is the book of Ephesians. Man, we've been this and that and out here and out there. I was trying to figure out where I was at in the book of Ephesians at the prior campus. And if this is something I preached already, say stop, you've done preached that. If I skip some verses, say stop, you missed some. Because I'm not sure where I'm at. And I know you guys keep close enough track, you know exactly where I'm at in Ephesians. If my memory serves me right, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. I think I've already preached verse 7, but I'm going to include it in the next five verses. And I'm going to go to verse 12. Have I preached that, Miss Debbie? 7 through 12? Okay, so I'm right on. So if you would stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. I've already read and preached 7, but I'm going to re-preach it. With eleven, with eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. How's that? In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he has made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His, capital H, His glory. Father, bless the preaching of Your Word in a way that only You can. And I ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people as they was being seated said, Amen and Amen. The one who held the pen, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote this letter. 
And I believe if we study or know Paul at all, Paul was one who had the attitude of gratitude. I believe we'd all agree when we read the writings of the Apostle Paul, he didn't live his life on Complaint Boulevard, but rather than instead, he lived it on Thanksgiving Avenue. I think when we study the Scriptures and read Paul's writings, we'd say, you know, he never did wake up grumbly hateful, but it seemed like he always woke up humbly grateful. That's the Apostle Paul. And I want to tell you, the Apostle Paul, since his road to Damascus experience, in case you don't know what that is, since the day he got saved, he understood some days, and I think we all agree, are better than other days. Would we all agree some days are better than other days? But, since being saved, would all of us agree, all days are good days. Let me say that one more time so it gets through. We all agree that some days are better than other days. That was unanimous if you didn't look around. But we need to be as the Apostle Paul and realize once we're saved, all days are good days. And I believe we can see that from these scriptures. If you're ready, Gary Caldwell would say, I am. All days are good days simply because the riches of His grace. Now look at verse 7. I've done preached it, but it says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, If you've been redeemed, all days are good days. If you've been forgiven for your sins, even though some days are better than other days, all days are good days when your sins have been forgiven. And that has happened according to the riches of His grace, which He made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Can I point out two things about the riches of His grace? And that will assure us that all days are good days. The first thing I want to point out about the riches of His grace, number one, the abundance of His grace. I said the abundance of His grace. According to the riches of His grace. He's rich. Not going to run out of grace. I thank the Lord that He's not short on any of His gifts. But I sure am grateful that He's not short on grace. See, He's not short on saving grace. You need to be saved. Guess what He's not going to run out of? Saving grace. He's not short on sustaining grace. When we are weak, that's what he told the Apostle Paul, my grace will be sufficient and that's when I'm strong. Aren't you glad when it comes to salvation, he's not going to run out of grace to save you with? 
And aren't you glad when it comes to grace, He's rich, and He's not going to run out of grace to sustain you with. What I'm saying is, you don't have limited grace, you've got an abundance of grace. Big Bird had an injector go out. And when they found that out, and I talked to the mechanic, he said, you better pray. You're a praying man, ain't you? Now, why would somebody tell you you need to pray if you've got an injector out of a truck? It ain't got nothing to do with that. Caterpillar is one of the biggest companies in the world, and since COVID... A lot of Caterpillar products are sitting in the dust. He said, you better be praying. We've got one Caterpillar engine sitting up here waiting on a $30 fuel filter for two weeks. So you can imagine what injectors and injector pumps and engine parts are like. You better pray. If you need that truck, they've got the injector for that truck. It's just like when praying's on your heart, you better do it immediately. I said, Lord Jesus. And praise the Lord, he called me yesterday and he said, they just happened to have that injector for old big bird. So look at me and listen to me. Since COVID, we have been limited... On things that we can get. It's discouraging. It's depressing. And it's left a lot of people's livelihoods setting. Woo! Thanks be to God. They will never be a shortage. When we need grace. He says, I've got all of it you need. I won't be running out. Even during COVID. There's an abundance of His grace. But secondly, all days are good days because the riches of His grace. He ain't running out. But secondly, I want you to realize all, good, all days are good days, not only because the abundance of His grace, but would you look at the aim of His grace? Look at it. According to the riches of His grace, which He made abound toward Us. In other words, God's got all kinds of grace, rich, not running out. And guess who He's got it aimed at? Us. And folks, I'm glad we're in His bullseye. See, when you decide to make a difference for the kingdom of God, let me tell you who put you in His crosshairs. The devil. It's kind of like, and I know not everybody in here is an Oklahoma Sooner fan, but I'm going to preach it like it is. In the Big 12, let me tell you who's got a bullseye on their back. It's the Oklahoma Sooners when it comes to football. Because they've got numerous, numerous, numerous Big 12 championships. And so who is the one to take down? 
Odds are it's going to be the Oklahoma Sooners if you're in the Big 12. So what happens? They've got a bullseye on their back. What happens? Why do they get upset from some no-names? Because that no-name has had a crosshair on the Oklahoma Sooners because they want to take down the best. You understand that? So Oklahoma Sooners, because of tradition and who they are in the Big 12, everybody gives them their best shot because the bullseye's on their back. Well, when you make a difference for the kingdom of God, that's what the devil does to you. He puts his crosshairs on you. So get ready for that. When you start to live your life, stay in the spirit of revival, the enemy has got his crosshairs on you. But let me tell you what encourages me. There's another set of crosshairs on me that trumps the enemy's crosshairs. And that's we're in the crosshairs of Almighty God. So when the enemy attacks, he's just going to keep his aim on us and give us the grace to overcome the enemy that has his crosshairs on us. Every day's a good day because the riches of his grace, he's got an abundance of it, he's not running out, and he's got it aimed right toward his children. And all God's people ought to say, Amen and Amen. But secondly, every day's a good day, not only because of the riches of His grace, but because of the revelation of the gospel. Verse 9 says, Having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in Him. Four things about the revelation of His gospel. You ready for number one? I want you to see the people of the revelation. It says in verse 9, having made known, there's that two-letter word again, us, having made known to us the mystery of His will. Was anybody else that in the sound of my voice, like Rob Pierce was, almost forgot my last name, before I was saved, I mean, I'd stumble into a doctor's office, not very often, but while I was waiting, there'd be a Bible. Seemed like the Gideons may have put them there. Maybe I would stumble into a motel room to spend the night after being tired, rodeoing or whatever. And there would be that Bible. Curiosity, I'd pick it up. But I'd try to read it, whether it be a doctor's office, whether it be, my dear friends, a motel room, and it was Chinese to me. And you say, well, it wasn't to me. Well, wait a minute. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it should have been. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit... Of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So before that Tuesday morning in that old Mack truck, I could pick up this revelation of God's Word and it made no sense to me. Thanks be to God, one Tuesday morning I got a visit 
by the Holy Spirit of Almighty God, and it all made sense. He revealed to me what I was, a sinner, where I was headed to hell, and He revealed to me that He loved me, sent His Son to die on the cross, to be buried and rise again for my sins. And so I'm just telling you, before the Holy Spirit visited me, I didn't make heads nor tails out of the things of the Bible, and every day's a good day because His Spirit showed up and revealed to me, gave me a revelation from His Word, who I was and where I was headed. And if you're here and you're saved, you're a people of revelation. He revealed to you what this book says, what we was, where we was headed, and how we could change direction. And all God's people ought to be saying, Thank God it didn't stay foreign to me, but the Holy Spirit visited me and revealed His Word to me. So there's the people of the revelation. And if you're saved, you're a people of His revelation. He revealed the gospel to you. But then secondly, I want to point out the pleasure of His revelation. Having made known to us the mystery of His will. Now listen to this. According to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself. According to His good pleasure. In other words, get this. It pleased Him to send His Son to the cross. You say, it pleased him. Have you ever read Isaiah 53.10? Daddies, can you imagine? Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Isaiah says, it pleased God to bruise Jesus. Now look at me and listen to me. It didn't please God to turn his back on his son when all the sins of the world hit him. Well, Rob, you said the Bible said that. I'm just telling you that ain't what pleased him. It didn't please him to have to watch his son's beard be plucked, his hair be pulled, him to be mocked, to be beaten with the cat of nine tails. That ain't what pleased God. What pleased God was not what happened, but what come out of what happened. See, God knew the only way, I touched on it this morning, for sinful man to be reconciled to a holy God, it would take somebody to be the sinless sacrifice on the cross. It wasn't that it pleased Him to see Him beaten and die and buried, but the outcome is what pleased Him. See, Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before Him. He wasn't saying, oh, give me a big dose of Calvary's cross. Give me another whooping with a cat of nine's tail. That is not what the joy was. The joy for God the Father was, the outcome of Jesus dying on the cross, was He was going to be reconciled to sinful man. The joy that Jesus had going to the cross wasn't the pain and agony of the cross, it was the outcome of the pain and agony, and as that is that He could have a relationship with us. And that's what He done to reveal that to us. 
it was a pleasure because of what it brought. Sinful man and a holy God back into relationship. And I've already touched on this, but I'm just going to touch on it. The people of Revelation, every day is a good day because we've been revealed the gospel. Every day is a good day because we see the pleasure of God's revelation. It pleased Him to do this because of the outcome of it. But the price of it, in having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself. Remember verse 7 says we are redeemed by His blood. What did Jesus have to pay to reveal His love toward us? He paid with His Son's life. He paid with His Son's blood. You know, I was thinking about that. Sometimes us husbands, we have to pay a price to prove our love to our wives. Had to go grocery shopping once. Talk about a price. Once. She just reminded him over there. Once. Now she's questioning my love for her. So I'm going to have to go again. You know, what's the price in all seriousness we have to show to our kids? Our spouses, our friends. Sometimes we have to pay a price, a sacrifice to show and prove our love to them. But I'm telling you, you've never had to pay the price that God had to pay to reveal how much He loved us. The price He paid is He sent His Son to the cross. Every day's a good day. Because he paid the price, the ultimate price, to reveal his love for us. But then what was the purpose of the revelation? Look at verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. The whole purpose of this is one day, you listening? God is going to gather all of His children together. And we're going to be together not for a little while, but forever and ever and ever. The whole purpose, the whole purpose of Him revealing His gospel to us is one of these days, everybody that is a Baptist is going to be brought together. It's not what it says. Everybody that is a Pentecostal, a Methodist. Did you notice there's no denominational names here? What does it say? He's going to bring together all those, listen to this, in Him. I'm going to let you in on something. You died in the wool Baptist Denominational tags will be blown off in heaven. And let me let you in on something else. They'll be burned off in hell. If you think some denominational tag is going to keep you out and get you into heaven, you're wrong. The whole purpose of God sending His Son and revealing His gospel to us is not because man could make another denomination. The purpose of 
this was everybody who will believe with all of their heart, confess with their mouth, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus, repent of their sins, and trust in His finished work and not our work. The whole purpose was to get us all together. And what a day that will be. Somebody ought to write a song about that. What a day that will be. Amen. I'm telling you, every day is a good day because the riches of His grace, because the revelation of His gospel. But I'm going to tell you thirdly, and it's only got a third of the points this morning's message does because I'm done. Third point is every day is a good day because we can rejoice to His glory. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance. In Him, we have also obtained an inheritance. And He's not even dead. Most time when you've got to get an inheritance, somebody's done went and died. We got an inheritance and He's still alive and well. In Him, we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him, who works all things according to the counsel of His will. You know, I read that and I get to thinking, God gets counsel. And you said it right there. That does my heart pretty good to know we don't have a fly by the seat of His pants, God. He thinks things through. That's what that verse means. And He's got it all thought through. Thought through so much that He never has to say, Oops. Verse 12 says that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. What Paul is saying is this. When people look at us, when people hear us talk, we should bring glory to Almighty God. Paul is saying, I believe Gary touched on it, were trophies of God's grace. When people look at our lives after Christ, when they listen to our conversation after Christ, and they understand if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, old things have passed away, behold, all things have come brand new. Let me tell you, when people would see Tony Mack, After salvation, they would give glory and praise to God because Tony Mack was a brand new man. They could tell it by the way he acted, by the way he talked, and they could not explain it any other way than Jesus got a hold of that fellow. And that ought to be the same with me and you. When we accept Christ and people see our lives, hear our conversations, they ought to say, glory to God. Look what He done with that mess. And so the rejoicing actually stems from, in Him also we obtained an inheritance. They rejoice and we have a changed life. But the reason we rejoice is when we got saved, 
We got an inheritance. And let me just say this. We've done received it. Remember what Peter said? We have everything we need to live godly in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? He said we have everything we need to live godly in Christ Jesus. Think about that. That inheritance, you don't need anything else. You can make excuses if you want to, but I've given you everything you need in your inheritance to live godly in Christ Jesus. So I want you to think about this. According to that scripture, every one of us that are Christians have inherited the exact same thing from God. You know, I often watch people and parents die and their inheritance is not even close to even when they give it and yada, yada, yada. And I don't have a problem with that other than I think the parents ought to explain that before they go off and die and leave that up to somebody else to try to explain. I don't have a problem with it whatsoever. But I think they ought to be the one that has to explain to that kid, those kids, the why of it. That's just my two cents. That's not in the Bible. But I just don't think it's fair for a kid to have to explain to their siblings the why of it. Or try to, or wonder why. But listen to me. Every one of us as Christians, let me tell you what God done. He didn't divide it up unequally. Every one of His children got the exact same inheritance. That's equal. But you ready for the next question? Is everybody doing with equal inheritance the same thing? So you don't have no excuse of, well, they inherited that. They got more than me. You don't have that excuse as a Christian. Because God the Father give you and 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 you. He give us all the exact same thing. So with how your life's going, it ain't got a flipping thing to do with you didn't get your part. It's got everything to do with what you're doing with your part. Every day's a good day because I've been given everything I need to live godly in Christ Jesus. And if I fail to do that, that's not on Him. That's on me. Maybe it's better explained like this. Two boys. One boy, he nickled and dimed his way through life. And one day his parents died and they give him just a little over $100,000 in inheritance. You with me? And that young man made really good decisions. He invested it well. And it wasn't long he no longer had to nickel and dime his way through life because just a year and a half later, this boy had become a millionaire plus. But the talk in town was, no big deal. I could have done that if I'd have been given, inherited what he inherited. So people's talking about, it was just given to him. 
What was given to him was 100,000. A year and a half later, he's got a million. But people are talking, oh, he inherited it. You ready for boy number two? He nickled and dined his way through life. His parents died, and they left him the exact same amount of money. A year and a half later, he had spent it all, even the nickel and dime part of it, and he couldn't even make it through life. Now all the people's talking about bad decisions. Have you figured out what I'm talking about? Let somebody take their inheritance from God and start living every day as a good day with good decisions in Christ. Good decisions of where they're investing their time and their talents and their ties. Listen to me. And people will talk about, oh, I could do that if I had that. Well, let me tell you something. You got it. But when you become a Christian and you don't use it, folks, the bottom line, it's bad decisions. It's bad investments. It's poor choices. So if you want every day to be a good day, understand the riches of His grace. Understand the revelation of His gospel. Rejoice in His glory because you've got everything you need to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. And it all depends on not what you inherited from Him. It all depends on how you invest and the choices you make with the inheritance that Almighty God give you. And all God's people ought to be saying, I'm telling you, some days are better than other days. Believe you me, we've seen that this week. I planned on seeing old Zeke myself Saturday and had to call Bob and say, Man, I tell you what, ain't even close to getting there. And been planning on getting there a while. But because some days are worse than others. And we all know about those days when our plans get upended. Right? But even when our plans get upended, I'm telling you as a child of God, every day is still a good day. Let's stand. We stand this evening, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Father, help us to understand as Christians there are better days than other days. But help us to understand because we've trusted in you, we're in a win-win situation. And every day is a good day. We thank you tonight for the riches of your grace. We thank you tonight for the revelation of your gospel. And we thank you tonight that we can rejoice in your glory for the inheritance that we have obtained and with good choices and wise investments with our time, our talent, and our ties, you can bless us in a great and mighty way. Father, I pray that if we've been living on the wrong side of Hallelujah Boulevard, if we've been waking up grumbly hateful instead of humbly grateful, Tonight would be a good night to realize that all days are good days. Father, have your way in the hearts of us, your people. 
And if there's a soul that's lost, undone, hanging in the balance, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. Father, help us to come boldly to the throne room tonight to lift up our country, to lift up our church, to lift up a persecuted church, to lift up those who are sick and afflicted among us. Father, have your way in our hearts. We ask it in the sweet and the precious and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Would you come tonight simply with the question, what are you doing with the inheritance that you have from God? Stay.